Hello and welcome to Wireless Millennial. I'm your host, Emmeline. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. It feels like it's been a hundred years since we talked together. I actually was looking quickly on my like calendar to see when the last time I had a podcast go, and it was a month ago, an entire month ago. And I think it's because my life has been an absolute barrel of disaster for about the last three and a half weeks. That's kind of what I was calculating it as. Just so much stress, so much anxiety, just so much happening that I just, it was a lot. It was a lot. I'm not going to lie. I've had a nervous eye twitch for about three weeks now. And I was like searching, like what caused you to have like muscle spasms? And it was stress. It was 100% stress. So everyone, if you've been living under a rock or you don't follow me on social media, I was dealing with Hurricane Ian for the last couple weeks. It was it was a lot. It was a lot going on. I'm sure if you saw the news, you saw there was a lot of devastation that, you know, there was just parts that were completely like knocked out and that just things were a disaster. And I live right in the eye of where all of that was happening. So I do want to state that thankfully we are okay. We have a home. Very, very lucky. But this has been an extremely difficult and trying last like three and a half weeks. And I was really trying to figure out like the best way to like encompass really what was going on with this last three and a half weeks. And I figured, you know, my brain is pretty mushed from it all that let's just go through a little bit of a timeline. I think a little bit of a timeline will kind of help lay it out for people. I think also something that was pretty interesting for me to kind of see was people that have never been through a natural disaster. It was hard for them to kind of see where we were coming from but also I had never been through a natural disaster so I could totally see why people like didn't care you know so we're gonna start right off at the beginning so last in last month September 27th there was you know we had heard that a hurricane was possibly going to come hit us but really they were projecting that it was going to be hitting a lot farther north north from us like almost like three hours north from us. So my husband, though, is very paranoid, has a lot of anxiety. So the second he heard that it could even just skim us, he went and bought extra gasoline. He went and bought extra water. Everyone's like, you're crazy. You're panic buying. But really, he was like, you never know what could happen, right? Which I even was thinking he was crazy. But then honestly, with what he did and what the outcome was, I am so grateful for him for doing that because he kind of went into a panic state. He made sure that we had food storage. He had made sure we had water, gasoline. And those were all things that we were set with when the disaster really struck. So September 27th, it's the day before Hurricane Ian is supposed to hit uh, Florida. It was supposed to hit closer to Tampa, maybe even up into Tallahassee. And then that morning at 7 a.m., bam, it switched. It totally switched its path and it had switched to way farther south. Like, two and a half hours south of Tampa. And that's pretty much where we were. That's where we are. And we were like, what are we going to do? And so my husband, you know, he just kept checking all over like the weather page and he was checking over like government pages for where they were calling for evacuation. And at 7 a.m. he saw that they had posted saying, hey, these areas should like really think about evacuating. It wasn't a mandatory, but like think about evacuating. And one of the areas that they had posted, we were on like the border of that area. We weren't in the area, but we were on the border of it. And you know, at that moment, we had already discussed, we said, hey, 
if it's going to get close to us, then we're going to leave. Like our lives, our pets' lives are way more important than like just trying to survive a storm. So we woke up at 7 a.m. that morning in a kerfuffle. We were like, let's just get our like hurricane shutters down. Let's lock up this house. Let's figure out a plan. Let's go to the other coastline. Let's get moving. So we call my sister and my brother-in-law live down the street. We're like, hey, you guys should go. My sister was stuck at work. My brother-in-law's like, yeah, but I need your help with the hurricane shutters. So then my husband's over there trying to like, really, hurricane shutters are people either have hurricane-proof windows, which we don't have them because they're pretty expensive, and we live in an old home. So a lot of people either like nail plywood in around their windows, or they will, like our home is an older style home. So we have these metal shutters that just pretty much just close down and clasp over our windows. So that was pretty much our plan. And then other people, you know, are putting sandbags in certain areas just because I live in a city that is just extremely full of canals. So you just kind of see everybody panicking, everybody getting stuff together. So after we go and we help my brother-in-law get all settled and get his home secure enough that he can start packing up his stuff, John comes running home and I am quickly just throwing food into bags for our animals. I We have two dogs. We have a bird. I wanted to make sure that they were obviously coming with us. I'm not an animal that would leave their animals locked in a home during a natural disaster. Those people have a special place in the down under, if you know what I mean. So it was it was a very unique experience because I know everybody's probably heard that question before in their life where they're like, your house is on fire. You have to grab one thing out of your house. What are you grabbing? That was like our real life case scenario. It was, you need to leave your house what are you going to grab? Get out of your house. So I quickly, I filled up one backpack for all of our animals for enough food for like a week. And then I threw in like three days worth of clothes for my husband and I into another backpack. We grabbed one of our food storage bins and some of our extra gasoline and we left. I didn't keep anything like memorable. I was thinking about that where I'm like, well, should I have grabbed something in our house? Like, is there anything that precious? And I started thinking, I'm like, no, the most precious things to me are the living things in my home. Everything else is replaceable, really. So we begin driving. We were really lucky. My dad was able to get us an Airbnb on the opposite coastline. We took off. And as we're heading off, at this point in time, it's like noon. And at noon, we get a text message like across everybody's phones are going off and it says mandatory evacuation for zones, bang, like A, B, and C. And we were in like, we are right on the line for A and B. And my sisters believe in A. And so we're like, oh my gosh, it's mandatory now. But by this point in time, we had, we had already listened to the like pre-warning that we were already gone. So we were out, we were headed to Fort Lauderdale and it was just I think a lot of people wonder too. They're like, oh, why are all these people still stuck in their homes back in Florida? Like, why didn't they leave for the hurricane? What's hard is a hurricane can shift at any moment. Like 12 hours before, that hurricane was supposed to hit 12 out or three hours north of us. And then it shifted to right on top of us. So even in those couple hours, it could shift again. Like it starts shifting south even more. And then it shifted back north. In the end, it did go directly just right over where we live. It was pretty crazy to watch it like on the news. But we had escaped. We were in Fort Lauderdale. My sister was trying to drive over in a kerfuffle to us. My brother-in-law and my sister both work in the medical field, so it's a little bit harder for them to kind of get out of work and go. My work, I worked two jobs. Both of my jobs were like, go, you're fine, just get out. So 
We left, and I have to tell you a side story about my sister-in-law. I hope they're okay with me sharing this. This is crazy. So as my sister-in-law and brother-in-law are getting ready to evacuate, my brother-in-law is driving to go pick up my sister from the hospital, because that's where she works. And as he's driving to her, he sees this homeless guy trying to pack up all of his stuff. So, and my brother-in-law is like a super nice guy, always wanting to help people. So he quickly gets out of his car. He's trying to help this homeless man gather stuff, put up like secure a tarp, all this stuff. As he's trying to help him, the guy, the homeless guy's giant German shepherd jumps out, jumps onto my brother-in-law and bites his arm and like takes a big old gash at his arm. So my brother-in-law just like kind of helps finishing the homeless man. He drives to the hospital. My sister calls him and she's like, hey, I'm here. Let's go. And he's, she's, he's like, well, I'm in the emergency room. And that's where he works. And she's like, what are you doing in the emergency room? We need to evacuate. And he's like, well, I'm down here because I need to get rabies shots <laughs> and stitches. So during all of this, of course, he gets stuck needing rabies shots and stitches. And I didn't even realize rabies shots, it's like a whole process. You need like a shot in your thigh, multiple shots in your arm. Like it is a process. So by the time they evacuated and got out to us, that was later in the evening when text messages had already gone out. So keep in mind, the evacuation text message went out around noon. By 7 p.m. or 8 p.m., there was a text message that said, no more evacuation. You are recommended to shelter in place. So a lot of people that weren't planning on this hurricane to hit, they had really like seven hours to completely prepare for a hurricane, decide if they were evacuating, deciding how to get their home together. What are they doing with their pets? Where are they staying? It just wasn't enough time. And that is what caused so much of a mess with people being stuck in their homes during this hurricane, I used to always think when I would see videos of like Katrina or other really big hurricanes coming through, where I'm like, why didn't people leave? Why didn't they evacuate? Why didn't they do this? It's because hurricanes can be pretty unpredictable. You can kind of know a general area where they're going, but they can pick up speed. They can go back down. A big part of the hurricane is they basically, they build power in warm water. And during this time, the Gulf of Mexico, which is the coastline we are on, was so hot. It was so unbelievably hot in that Gulf. That is what caused this hurricane just to build and become so strong. As the hurricane went over Cuba, it was about a category three and it didn't really lessen. But by the time it got into the Gulf of Mexico, it just built so big. And honestly, this hurricane was just barely under a category five, like just barely, just to give you guys some type of like measurement of how big it was. So it was a cat four border cat five but it was the deadliest hurricane to strike Florida since 1935. And it was the fifth strongest hurricane to make landfall in the U.S. ever. Okay? Keep that in mind. The fifth strongest hurricane to ever make landfall in the United States ever. And this is the strongest one to ever hit Florida since 1935. Because I know, like, before I moved to Florida, I'm like, yeah, these guys get hurricanes all the time. You know, Hurricane Dorian, Hurricane, all these different types of hurricanes. But this is the strongest one in almost 100 years. That is insane. So I also want to state, um, if any of you guys know me really well, you know that one of my, like, bucket list life experiences that I wanted to go through was I always wanted to survive a natural disaster. I've always wanted to see, you know, just pretty much what happens. Like it's a sense of like panic. It's a sense of community coming together. It's emotions that I felt I wanted to experience my life because it's something that unless if you've experienced it, there's no way for other people to comprehend. 
And this was an experience that still I, in my brain, I think this is something that if you didn't survive through this, if you didn't have to deal with the misery of this, it's something you just really, you can't comprehend it, which is so insane to me because, you know, so after we evacuated, we were gone, we were in Fort Lauderdale for three days. And by the time we got there, you know, we got there on the 27th, the 28th, the hurricane was going like all day. Once it made landfall, sometimes it will like really shrink and how intense it is. Sometimes it'll move really fast on land and, you know, move on to the next thing. When this one made landfall, it just sat there. It just sat there and the winds were blowing so crazy, which then caused a really bad surge, which during this time, the big issue that they had was the water levels rising. They had a big issue with the wind was pushing so hard that it was pushing the water inland so much. So pretty close to our house, there's a place called Fort Myers Beach and Sanibel Island. And those islands were just everyone's homes. The entire first level of their homes, 10-foot like ceilings were just covered all the way to the top. It was just completely flooded out. Everything was just destroyed. And then we live in a very specific city that had a ton of massive flooding And because we live on so many canals and rivers and oceans that it just was pushing the water inland. So people were just like swimming. And I read the statistics. So in this hurricane, there was 140 currently, currently accounted for. There's 140 fatalities and most of them were from drowning. And it was just because they weren't like they knew that the water levels were going to rise, but they didn't anticipate it to this level, especially when people only had like seven to eight hours to prepare for this. So, and in previous times, you know, hurricanes have always said like, oh, this hurricane's going to hit Fort Myers, but it always shifts and it goes somewhere else. So really this area has never really had to deal with such a massive hurricane before, which is why it caused so much insane devastation because there was buildings that had been here for 50, 60 years and they're completely obliterated now. They're just not in existence. So even the beach communities that are down in Fort Myers Beach and Sanibel Island, they're just gone. They're like wiped where it's just sand and like rubble now. It's crazy. So, you know, when we got back to, um, when we were in Fort Lauderdale, it's also this really crazy experience because phone lines had cut out. So we couldn't contact anybody in Fort Myers. So we're sitting here and keep in mind, this is my first home that I've ever purchased with my husband. My sister, it's her first home that she's ever purchased with her husband. And we have no idea if we even have a home left because, you know, the news is covering so much, but really there's, it's kind of just went dark for a little bit where there wasn't a whole lot coming in and out of Fort Myers for like 24 hours just because the cell service was so bad and phone lines were down. All power was down. It just was, and people were still barricaded in their homes because the wind was still so bad for so long. And it was just really stressful. I remember when we were sitting in Fort Lauderdale, we're like kind of doing puzzles. Like I was make, doing a puzzle just to kind of distract me a little bit. Other people were watching the news. My husband was like, I just have to totally clock out. And he just was sleeping. It was just so emotionally exhausted because you don't know what mess you have to come home to. You don't know, did my house flood? Did my house blow over? Did a giant tree fall in our house? Like what happened? So about 24 hours later, we were able to get in contact with one of our neighbors and she was the sweetest person ever because she was able to send us some like really pixelated pictures just because the service was so bad here and it was taking her like all day to send them to us. 
but she was able, she texted us and she said, Hey, your house is fine. Minor damage. Your house is fine. You're missing all your trees. And we're like, okay. So she sent us some pictures. And then finally she was like, Hey, I was able to get out of my house. I kind of walked around your house and you know, you're missing a bunch of trees now. You, I don't know where your rain gutters are. And you inherited this massive metal shed that had like fallen into our backyard. But thankfully it never hit our house. So we were very grateful for that. So, you know, we knew that just it was going to be a crazy place to go. So we decided to stay one more day in Fort Lauderdale just because we're like, there's no power. We're not going to deal with it. And I even, I had a coworker that was so kind and sweet. He was like, hey, let me go to your house. I'll take some pictures because he was in a place that had better service and power. So he's like, I'll go to your house. I'll take some pictures. I'll let you know how your house is doing. And we're like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. And this is before we had talked to my neighbor. And he goes and he kind of just disappears for like five hours or so. And then finally I get a text back and he's like, hey, it's so crazy out there. I got rear-ended and my car is getting towed. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this guy was going to try and do us a favor. He was going to go check in on our home. But he got rear-ended. But it was just a mess. There was just power lines all over the roads. There's zero lights. Like, everyone's attempting to use, like, the four-way stops at, like, red lights. But, like, I don't know if you've ever been to Florida. People are terrible drivers here. So, like, nobody's obeying that law. So it just is kind of, like, Fast and the Furious try and survive. So then he got rear-ended. Still feel super bad about that, by the way, for my coworker that's probably listening to this. I still am so sorry about that. But eventually we were able to make it home. And thankfully, thank the heavens, we had very minimal damage, like less than $1,000. My sister also had very minimal damage, like less than $1,000. So we were very, very grateful. But it was extremely sombering when we were driving back into town just because within like an hour outside of our house, all the trees were flattened. All the signs were just off. Like I remember we passed, there's this big shopping mall and they have this massive sign right next to the highway and it was missing like three fourths of the letters. Everything was just, just, just destroyed. We get off the highway. We're trying to make our way out because we live on like a peninsula that you have to cross like multiple bridges to get to our house. And you know, the water, we have to pass, we have to cross a really big bridge to get over onto like our peninsula and the water was just dark. It was just so dark brown, like just dirty. And there was just so much debris in all of the water. The streets were covered in debris. No lights were working. It just took so long. I remember, for instance, like when I drive from the airport to my house, it's like a 30-minute drive. When I, with all this happening, for me to get to the airport, it was like almost an hour and a half. It was so crazy with no lights. And you could just see like these metal roofs completely wrapped around like phone um, phone poles and traffic light poles and stuff like that. And it'd be this big old honking piece of metal just wrapped around it like a twist tie. It was so crazy. We eventually got to our house and thankfully we were able to get in. We had no flooding, which was such a blessing because honestly, about a mile south of us, they had flooding like five to eight feet in their homes. So we were very, very lucky we had no flooding and it was just such a surreal experience, like seeing all of our neighbors out all the time because we had no power. We have no air conditioning. We also had no running water for about two days, two to three days. And so we were like bathing ourselves in bottles of water. And I'm dying because I'm not a camper. If you know me, I literally, you could never pay me to go camping. I just don't even enjoy, I don't like being dirty. I don't like being out in the woods. 
this was not even glamping. There's no running water. It was terrible. So in the end, we had no running water for like two to almost three days. And then we had no power or electricity for nine days. And then, so our water came back on after three days, but it wasn't drinkable until I think it was day, I wrote this down, I think it was drinkable on day 12. Day 12 was when it became drinkable. So during this process, obviously we didn't have drinkable water, but we still had bottled water. So we were just drinking our bottled water. We were brushing our teeth with our bottled water. And then I was still, we were still bathing in the non-drinkable water. I lived in China. That water wasn't drinkable, but I still bathed in it every day for four months. So I'm like, whatever, we're fine. So we still bathed in it because, yeah. And then we didn't have air conditioning or anything for quite a while. And the first couple days wasn't so bad just because, Um, I learned that if a big old hurricane comes through, it pretty much pushes the hot air out. So we had nice kind of cool temperature for a couple days, like probably the first two or three days. But then after that, it got hot. So then it was like 85 to 90 degrees, no air conditioning. I am dying. I'm just sitting at home. There's nothing to do. I was able to, cell service was still really, really bad and data was still really, really bad that like I couldn't really contact anybody. I could kind of sit and play on my phone a little bit if I was really patient enough to let everything load. So I just started reading books, but it was it was pretty boring. This is not, like not what we were built for. Like we'd go over to my sister and brother-in-law's house and they're like, this is like glamping. Like this is not that bad. And I'm like, I hate everyone and everything. This is horrible. This is so miserable. Like hands down, if we would have had like a child, I would have said, peace out. I'm going to Utah for like the next foreseeable future no thank you, 10 out of 10, do not recommend not staying here. So, you know, after we got back, we spent the first couple days just kind of cleaning up our yard, trying to, you know, help other neighbors kind of clean up theirs. And then the last couple Sundays, um, as most of you guys know, I'm Mormon, I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints. We've been spending our Sundays helping other people clean up their yards. It's honestly been a very community-driven thing. And it's been such a crazy experience because, you know, we have like so many other people in the United States came down to help. So we have people that came down with like portable laundry washing machines because nobody could do their laundry. Like we couldn't do our laundry for nine days. And thankfully, thankfully, I think it was day like seven or eight, one of our really good friends lived in an area that they had already restored their power. And so we were able to go do our laundry at their home. But it was just stuff like that. And then there was people that came down with tents that had air conditioning in it. There's camps they had set up because so many people lost their homes. And then there was just constant helicopters going back and forth because we live right in between like where the main hospital is and this island off the coast from us that the bridge has been knocked out. So all the islands off from us, all their bridges got knocked out. So they were having to airlift everybody in and out of all these islands. So we just constantly were seeing helicopters. But then also all the hospitals around us had to shut down because all of their water lines had become contaminated. So all the nurse at TMI, okay, if you're not into like potty uh, stuff, like maybe fast forward like 20 seconds, but even the hospitals, like my sister works at hospitals and they were having to go to the bathroom in bags because none of the bathrooms were working. They couldn't flush a toilet. Can you imagine? Like that's what's so crazy to me is I'm like, I cannot believe that we just lived through this. Like this is insane. So, you know, we've been out, we've been doing service, huge community outreach, amazing. All I just remember I read an article about how all these food trucks were coming over from Miami like every day 
trying just to feed people fresh food because people had lost everything. And then one of our neighbors, he had gone to a cookout where they had all this extra food and he brought it over to our street and everybody on my street was just bringing out their Tupperware containers and we're all like serving ourselves up all this like barbecue chicken that like FEMA was giving out. And um, I remember I was driving through just trying to look at the devastation and we I was passing all these different churches and they're all having big old cookouts just trying to bring everybody together, like build morale, make them know that there's like, it's okay. It was just such an insane experience that it there were so many emotions in it. And one of the other emotions I want to talk about kind of going through was a sense of mourning. And I remember... It was on day probably three or four, maybe five. And I remember, you know, all these pictures are slowly trickling out because we don't have great service. It's really hard for people to get news out. And I'm seeing all these pictures of my most favorite places to go where my husband and I, we would go take a walk on Fort Myers Beach almost every Sunday around sunset. And, they, you know, they have really cute restaurants and, you know, a walkway, a boardwalk. And, you know, all of those places were gone. They were just gone. Like I had my most favorite place to go to in downtown Fort, uh, in Fort Myers Beach is called Dog House. And it's just this little blue shack that literally has two parking spots and like three places to sit. And they had those like pole boy sandwiches, you know, with like the really yummy shrimp and lettuce and tomato. Oh my gosh, so good. If you visited me, you've probably had one of these because they're so good. And I take all my guests to go eat one. They're amazing. But it's just gone. Absolutely gone. Like if you want to look up videos of Fort Myers Beach, you can look at before and after and it's just gone, which is so crazy. And then I haven't made myself, I haven't gone out there yet. I know they just opened it up where people can drive. That's after three and a half weeks. And I haven't even like had the heart to go there just because I am just so nervous of the devastation I'm going to go witness. And I don't feel like I'm ready to see that because it's a place that brings me so much joy. Because honestly, most of my life I've kind of lived everywhere and anywhere I've ever lived, especially if any, if I ever lived with any of you guys, any, in any of those places, you know, I never really loved those places. Like I was always say like, Oh, this is a great place for right now. But like, I don't want to end up here. Like I'm moving, you know, this is the first place I feel like that I've ever really truly loved. Like a place that I'm like, I love where I live. I didn't know it was even possible to really love where you lived until I moved here. And I think that's what caused me so much heartbreak in this is because a place that I loved so much had been hurt and it had been hurt really bad and just the people around me had been hurt and it was just it was a lot it was just a really sad thing and you know even after all this like you know we cleaned up our yard we still have a giant metal shed sitting in the front of our yard maybe someday somebody will take it we tried taking it apart for metal scrappers but it's so rusted that some people can't take it so we just have it sitting killing our grass but you know, it's still a lot of devastation. If you drive around to some areas, they just have all of their furniture out on their lawn. It's just completely ruined, you know, and they're ripping out all their drywall because the first seven feet of their home was just completely soaked and now it's molded, you know, and they're just, they have, they either have to move away. Home insurance is pretty scammy down here. It's just, it's pretty sad. It's really sad to see that. And, you know, even like after we had kind of cleaned up, it, it still came through with hiccups. Our AC somehow got rattled. We got our power and AC on again for like a couple days. And then after a couple days, our AC just was like, yeah, we're done. So our AC kicked out for like another two days and we had to call AC people. And I was just like, I don't care how much I have to pay you. Just come fix my AC. I cannot go without AC again. And 
Then after that, we got our AC working and then our internet decided to go out for another three days. So it's been really tricky because, you know, I, as many of all of you guys know, I have an airline job, but I also have a work from home job and I haven't really been able to work that job and that's been really hard. And then my husband totally works from home. So that's also been hard because if we haven't had power or internet, it gets kind of tricky. Thankfully though, we've had the most amazing jobs that have been so accommodating with our schedules and like totally understandable, like understanding, like my work from home job thankfully is based in Florida. So they were like, oh my gosh, take care of yourself. We totally get it. You just had a hurricane. And then my airport job, holy smokes, my airline went above and beyond to take care of us. They were like, do you need a generator? Do you need food? How much gasoline do you need? Like we are here to take care of you. They were amazing, amazing to work with. And so we're very, very blessed to one, have a house, two, have a roof. Like if you just drive around our area, everyone has blue tarps all over their roofs because everyone needs their new, their roofs replaced. Thankfully, when we bought our house, the roof, the roof was new. Oh, thank goodness. But it's just a very surreal, insane experience. I am very, I don't want to say grateful that I experienced it. I would 10 out of 10 not recommend it. But it's something that I feel like has given me a lot more perspective into life. It's that I now know that if someone says your house is on fire, what are you grabbing? I know what I'm grabbing. I also know now what it feels like to be in a place that is just like mass destruction. I remember I went back to work and at the airport and I was like helping people get ready for their flights. And it just was like the most so- like sombering, sobering moment just because you could tell what people had been through. It was like a sense of like community that had really brought people together. And it was interesting because you get the people flying in and they have like no sense of community and the people flying out were like, I have just been through the ringer. And yeah, another thing that's just so shocking to me. So all of our planes leaving are people that have like totally lost their homes. They're going to go stay with family somewhere else or they've come down here to see their winter home totally destroyed and they're moving back up to Massachusetts or something. And then you get all these dum-dums flying down with their golf bags. And then they come and complain to us. And they're like, yeah, it just wasn't a great vacation because, you know, the golf course wasn't very cleaned up. And I'm like, there was just a massive hurricane down here, you crazy person. People are crazy. I have like no respect for those people that are flying down here. I'm like, wait your turn. Or or they're like, were there not any good beaches around here? I'm like, uh, no, because they're searching for dead bodies on those beaches, you crazy person. People are wild. People are just so, but that's what I was meaning at the very beginning of this podcast. I was talking about how it's interesting to see how people just don't get it in a sense where they don't understand like, oh, everyone in this community just went without power and air conditioning and clean water for weeks and their internet, you know, like there's still some areas around me that they still don't have internet or power and it's been three and a half weeks now. You know, and I was even at the dentist today and the dentist is like, yeah, my kid's school is totally destroyed. And the receptionist had all of her kids sitting in the, like behind the desk with her. Cause she's like, I don't know where my, like, I have to go to work, but like my kids, their school doesn't exist anymore. So thankfully that dental office let them have her have all of her children there at work with her. But everyone, that was my Hurricane Ian experience. It was wild. It was crazy. It was emotional. It was stressful. It was anxiety ridden. It was just, it was a lot. 
And, you know, I've just, I think I said this at the beginning of the podcast, I've literally had like a permanent eye twitch for the last three weeks. And I've noticed it gets triggered and it goes off when people like talk about certain things. Like, I don't know. I just get like really triggered. Anytime something stressful is being talked about, my eye goes like crazy. So I hope you didn't feel like I was ranting too much. I just hope it felt passionate and that it you guys could kind of see my perspective that it was a lot going on. Yes, I've always said I want to survive a natural disaster. I think if I'm being honest, it was just a lot more than I was anticipating. It was a lot more destruction. It was a lot more emotion than I was prepared for. And I feel like it's going to be a long time for my community to rebuild. And I think even just for me to feel like not PTSD, like anytime it rains, we all like, I see all over Facebook, people are like, does anybody else like feel really freaked out every time it rains? Or like anytime it gets really windy or just like it's such an interesting place. And I, I I think it's gonna be something that I carry with me for the rest of my life. That I'm like, I I survived Hurricane Ian, you know? Not like in the sense of, oh, you know, I survived. I stayed here the whole time. But it's the point that really I survived it, you know? And it's very interesting to see the guilt that comes from a lot of people. I was talking about this with some friends last night about how, you know. We left for the main, like, storm part of Hurricane Ian. And I was telling people, I'm like, I feel kind of guilty. Like, we left and other people didn't, you know. And then I had some other friends. Their power came on within, I think, like, four or five days of the storm. And they're like, we feel really guilty that we have power and air conditioning when other people don't. And then I had some other friends that they left. They took their family and they peaced out for, like, a couple weeks. And they came back and they were saying, like, we feel kind of bad because, like, we haven't been here for – the mess of this. And I think there's just, there's a lot of guilt because there's a lot of people here that didn't lose everything. And so they feel like they can't complain because they didn't lose everything. But really it's, it was really hard on everybody. It was really hard on, even if you didn't lose your house, it was really hard. Even if you didn't lose your roof, it was just hard on a lot of people. But anyway, everybody, thank you again so much for listening to this week's episode of Wireless Millennial. Sorry for being a little bit of a bummer, but I just wanted to kind of give my rundown of what happened. And it was it was a lot. It was a pretty big experience. And I will catch you guys next week for another episode. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Wireless Millennial. I'll catch you guys next week for another episode of Wireless Millennial.